0: Inside Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park, New York. I am Matt Perino, joined as always by Ryan Talbot. And this is the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. It's uh, Tops' 60th anniversary this year. And whether you're uh, having a barbecue, you're tailgating, or on a road trip to see your favorite team, wherever the football season finds you, make sure to stop at Tops for the best deals in town from fresh meat to locally grown produce. Tops has everything you need and so much more for mealtime, snack time, or any time. Tops at your table since 1962. And man, the Bills almost ran the table. Their offense (laughs) did in this one. Uh, It was touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Six straight drives, finished with a touchdown. It looked a lot like the offense uh, in the playoffs last year. And they put up 36 on the Chiefs. And then obviously that big 40-plus point game against the New England Patriots. And it was everybody, Ryan Talbot. It was Josh Allen on the first drive. Then it was Case Keenum. Then it was Matt Barkley. Whatever the Bills did on offense today, it worked.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe they thought they were playing the Patriots again, because that's what it looked like as they were just going up and down the field all game long. And let's face it, if they were actually playing in a meaningful game, the one time that they punted, I think they would have gone for that near midfield, a fourth and one scenario. Um, but they punted just to, you know, let Matt Hawk get a punt in that competition get it logged in there. this offense though was unstoppable today though Matt see a first super chat in here and yes we we need to lead off with this this is the the actual big news of the day happy birthday Matt Perino how was the birthday up there in the press box it was great
0: it was great um the big 4-0 officially um I feel it my knees hurt my back hurts my shoulder hurts I did a um I did a chest day three or four days ago, Ryan Talbot, and I don't know what I did, but I popped something in my shoulder. Luckily for me, my good buddy, John Scott, told me about an exercise I could do to get the rotator cuff strengthened. I think that might be the problem. But man, I'm getting old. But thank you to everybody. Bills Mafia watching on social media that have reached out to wish me a happy birthday. Feeling all the love. Thank you so much. Uh, And we got a lot to talk about today. I mean, there was a lot of takeaways from this game that we can kind of dive into. But let's start with This first-team offense, you saw what it's going to look like with – and thank you so much to Thomas Failzone hitting us with the super chat right off the jump. Really appreciate you. Thanks again for all the birthday wishes. You know, Josh Allen comes out, and the strategy has to be throw it quick, get the ball out of your hand, and get him off the field as soon as possible. We talked to Sean McDermott after the game, and he said – um, the plan was he wanted to feel it. Like how good was the offense playing early on? I think it went so well on that first drive. It made things easy for him on the sideline to pull out the starting quarterback because on that last play to Gabe Davis, you know, Josh Allen with a 360 spin move in the pocket. You're probably sitting there on the sideline or in the fans like in the, in the stands, like, dude, what are you doing? Get rid of the ball. Like he's, he, but you know, great protection from this offensive line, but they look ready to go. They look like, You know, a lot was made about the communication factor. Everything went really, really well for the offense. The first team, second team, third team today.
1: Yeah. And first and foremost, I was really happy to see it be one and done for Josh Allen. And most of the starters, I know some of them came back out with Case Keenum for a drive, drive and a half or so. Everyone saw what they needed to see from this first team last year against the Packers. Allen played uh, quite a bit of time and it didn't really translate over to the regular season in terms of the offense and being sharp. So I, I wanted to see them look sharp here in the preseason Uh, Show that they could communicate well up in the booth with Ken Dorsey, which obviously that went very well, uh, too. But Allen was great. Three for three, 45 yards. The touchdown pass to Gabe Davis. Devin Singletary was running decisively. Uh, Holes were there for him to take and he took them. He ended up averaging almost ten yards per carry. You know, we we talked about Gabe Davis being unstoppable uh, throughout the summer. That's continuing here in the preseason, and Stefan Diggs looked great too. So there's very little to complain about from the skill positions. And then you mentioned it, man. This offensive line. I don't care if it was the first team, second team, the the guys that were out there at the end of the game. uh, I thought this offensive line looked phenomenal. It was definitely something that I've talked about being a, a area of concern as we get closer to. Cut down time, but I, I mentioned in my mar- my article, Aaron Cromer, he's going to go back and rewatch this game tonight, tomorrow, and he's going to have a big smile on his face because they were winning at the point of attack uh, all day long. So we're going
0: to get to a couple of things on this show. Uh, I want to stay on the offensive line for a moment. I want to talk about the receiving room and where we see that trending. I want to talk about a running back room and a UDFA that's making all the noise right now. I want to talk about uh, a player on the defensive line that's, that's popping a bit. I wrote about him in my postgame story. Uh, and then we'll talk about some other, some, some other newsy things as well. But let's start on the offensive line and and where we see things now after two preseason games and a player that, listen, I'm not trying to say I told you so. But if you remember a few weeks ago when I was trying to put out all the Cody Ford is done on this roster flames that were uh, burning in the chat. Cody Ford looks like he's found new life. I mean, it's on the second team. He's behind definitively Roger Saffold and Ryan Bates. But if you want to talk about everybody after that first five right now, I think Cody Ford is playing the most consistent football. Uh, you retweeted uh, an O-line uh, guru uh, today. Who was that that you retweeted that had some comments uh, Duke, on Cody Ford? Um,
1: oh, Duke Mayweather, I believe. Manyweather, Mayweather, right? Many, Manyweather. Manyweather, Manyweather. Manyweather, Thank you. Yep.
0: And uh, he said that he was so impressed with Ford's tape last week against the Colts uh, and and it's transitioning to this week. You mentioned what Cromer has potentially meant to him. He's now in a spot, a very valuable spot where he could play both guard spots, Ryan. They played him at left guard today. We've obviously seen him on the right side at right guard throughout training camp. And now he's in a spot where they don't have a lot of like trustworthy depth behind those two starters. You know, you have Greg Mance who's played a little bit. You have Greg Van Roten, Ike Bucker. Maybe when he gets back, I think Cody Ford—he's a lock to make this roster as that top depth guards guy because of how well he's now played in two preseason games. He really shined today. I mean, it, you, you saw the, the 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 videos being shared on social media of, of him. You saw that the success of this offense on the ground specifically. I think Cody Ford is living up a bit to to those draft uh scouting reports, I'm really seeing it in the run game.
1: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed his play today. He did have one illegal hands of the face penalty against him, but that was the only negative. There were far more positives that outweighed that one play. Um the the pulling that he did. I thought he had a, a great job on the first touchdown run of Zach Moss. He flashed at times on other runs and you know I mentioned it earlier. The the running lanes were there and a lot of that time Ford was part of the um, part of the reason why those run lanes were there. So he had an outstanding game. I had him as someone that was possibly going to get traded on my last 53-man roster projection. But uh, as it stands now, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I, I see him as making this 53-man roster, providing valuable depth in the event of an injury. Uh, it seems like Aaron Cromer is getting something out of him that we haven't maybe seen in a few years, maybe since er- some really early tape from him. Uh, so really promising performance today for Cody Ford. We
0: have a new segment this
1: season, Ryan. Every
0: game day podcast, we are going to bring you the value home centers, toolsy player of the game. And we're going to give it this week to an undrafted rookie free agent, Raheem Blackshear, who's just been so dynamic over the last two two games. And I'm actually going to be writing about him after we end here. A little bit of a feature, talk to Duke Johnson a little bit about him, ask Sean McDermott about him, and then actually spoke to Raheem uh, in the uh, postgame locker room. And it's like there's a buzz around this guy's name. There's there's fans right now concerned. And, of course, this is a very deep roster. And so, you know, where the concerns tend to pop up are our are, are fringe roster guys, right? And I don't really see a path to the roster for, for Raheem Blackshear in a crowded room where Zach Moss had two goal-line touchdowns today. I think he's going to be a goal-line uh, factor for the Bills this year. I tweeted about that, wrote about that. But Blackshear – Five carries led all rushers in this game for with 58 yards, 11.6 per carry, and this is now two straight weeks where he's just opening eyes. I, I we, we had talked about a couple players, we were, we were we were toying with a couple different guys, and we're gonna talk about those later in the show. But I just think Blackshear deserves some shine here as a guy that has come in, done everything that they've asked him to do, impressing vet veterans, and doing things the right way and making some noise. The Bills cut him, Ryan. I know he's going to be a priority practice squad guy. They like him, but can they get him back there?
1: Yeah, that's the question, and and there's a you know at the bottom of the roster for a lot of teams around the league, there's usually a running back or two that they like that they're going to want to bring back on their own. But there's also going to be some teams that are watching these preseason games and seeing uh, Blackshear absolutely shine and say, you know what, we need a back. He could be our third back on this 53 man roster. We're going to claim him. Uh, So I, I don't think it's a slam dunk that the Bills can get him back on the practice squad. I still think I would maybe say it's like a 50 50 shot right now. Um, But he's, like you said, doing everything you ask. He had two touchdowns one week ago, comes into this game, averages over 10 yards per carry. And in addition to running the ball very well, he again caught a few passes today, two for 21 in terms of uh, catches and how many yards he he scored or he recorded through the air. Uh, Really impressed with his game. I like his vision. I like his burst through the line. He seems very decisive in terms of where he's going, uh, and he hits the hole as soon as it opens up. So Raheem Blackshear is a great candidate for this, you know, our our player of the game here today, Matt.
0: And this isn't a guy that fits into that Christian Wade mole. I mean, Christian Wade didn't play football. He was trying to kind of figure things out. He had a couple of really nice highlight reel plays uh, back a few years ago. But I think this is more of a situation where this is a guy that could be played, that can play, and I think probably should have been drafted. And it goes to the conversation we were having last week after the game, where you know general managers are probably tuning in a little bit extra, making room in their schedule to watch these Bills games for the guys that don't pop because of how good the evaluations have been from this uh, front office on, on a lot of young players. And so now you're in a situation where you probably love Blackshear, and honestly, in a perfect world, Ryan, like Moss and Singletary. Like you don't have that whole dynamic where he's Singletary is going into a contract year and then Moss is going to have an additional year after that. Like Blackshear, you probably wish like had you not drafted James Cook, maybe he's in the mix with those two, right? It's just, the problem is going to be the, the numbers in that room. I just don't know if they can find a spot for him unless maybe Taiwan Jones is a guy we talked about it last week. They're able to, they're willing to move on from, they can find a spot for him elsewhere. Uh, but again, It's preseason all at the same time. You don't want to put too much value on this. He's doing most of this work against second and third string uh, players for the opposite team.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Taiwan Jones getting the 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 status of working out before the game, not being in this. Generally, those are the players that are those roster locks. Uh, He's someone that is such a an asset for this team on, on the kickoff coverage on special teams in general. We saw some issues early in the game with the kickoff coverage specifically, uh, let up some bigger returns there. So it, Blackshear is a great story. Maybe, you know, maybe the Bills do covet him more than we anticipate. But if and when he gets caught, he's certainly going to be a priority for their practice squad if they can get him there. How about we talk a little bit about a returning veteran on this team? Another player that was uh, up for our player of the game, someone you talked to a little bit post game, Shaq Lawson.
0: I thought Shaq Lawson was electric today. And I, obviously, going up against the second team, Denver Broncos, you know, they, they, they don't have a lot of depth in Denver right now. You could tell this is very early on in their bill, which Sean McDermott mentioned after the game. But Lawson. It's such a luxury to have a guy that has this kind of institutional knowledge of this defense to come back. And that's one of the things that he mentioned. It's like you go away for two years and he even alluded to the fact that he went and he got his bag and he's been and he's kind of, you know, sputtered along a little bit the last couple of years. But now he comes back here, you know, knowing the success that he had when he was in Buffalo before and trying to kind of find that again. And. He looks like he's having so much fun. He's playing looser. There's no expectations on Shaq Lawson here, right? And honestly, if you go back to his run after the the, the start in 20 uh, he was drafted in 16, I believe. 17, 16. No, he was drafted in the Rex Ryan regime. So he Rex was Rex Ryan era. Things didn't go well for him at the start, right? When when he got into the Sean McDermott era, I think there was a lot of questions about, all right, is Shaq Lawson going to be a long-term fit? for the bills, even, you know, when they didn't pick up his fifth year option and he went into the final year of his deal and you were kind of wondering who he was going to be in this defense. then he had that six and a half sack season turned into one of their most dependable, you know, outside uh, run defenders. Now you're in a situation where you come back, there's no expectations for him. Just like there were no expectations going into that final season. It was almost like if he doesn't play well, he's going to be gone. Right. And so now you take those three young players and then Von Miller, obviously you, you figure out what that all looks like, and then you're just getting bonus production from Shaq Lawson. And a, a guy that I think you could just trust on a week-to-week basis, if you have to throw him out there, he's going to bring energy. He's going to bring juice, but he's also going to bring playmaking. He had a forced fumble today, a tackle for a loss, and a quarterback hit. There's not really much better uh, kind of production, and I mean, unless he forced a turnover, than you could have than he had in this game.
1: Yeah, he, he showed that veteran savviness where he knew he wasn't going to get to the quarterback in one play. He gets his hands up. He bats the pass directly up into the air. He lost track of it because it was right in his vicinity, something that he could have intercepted if he if he saw where it went. Uh, but that was just a smart play on his part. I'm not going to get to the quarterback, but what can I do to disrupt this play? And sure enough, I believe it was on a third down. Nonetheless, uh, he was able to help the team get off the field by making that play by, by a heads-up play like that. Those are the little things that you want from those rotational pieces on your D-line. Maybe he's not going to be in line to play major reps this year based on the fact that, as you said, they have Von Miller. They have three young uh, pass rushers that they're going to want to get onto the field, and and one that I'd like to talk about here maybe next segment or uh, in a little bit, but... Lawson had a great game today. You can tell that he's kind of fitting into this puzzle of what Sean McDermott looks for. Like I said, a heavy rotation in Buffalo every year since McDermott has been here. I expect that to continue. Obviously, Von Miller is going to see a a heavier snap count than a lot of those younger players in Lawson. uh, But there's still room to go around for some of these other guys. And there's going to be opportunities or games where you say, "Okay, maybe I want Lawson out there for the run stopping ability that he's shown throughout his career uh, for his ability to maybe bring a little bit of juice to the team as well. Something that he and Jordan Phillips both do.
0: Sizzle of the grill, popping open a refreshing drink, crowds cheering for their favorite team. These are the beautiful sounds of football season, and Tops is right there with you. From fresh meat to locally grown produce, Tops has everything you need and so much more. Uh, and speaking of everything you need, how about your hometown team, Value Home Centers? Uh, going on right now, it's your last chance to stock up on summer outdoor essentials. Shop outdoor furniture, fire pits, tables, grills, garden tools, and outdoor decor. Head over to Home valuehomecenters.com dot uh, backslash current dash ad and you'll get uh, all the latest deals. You can get. Where, where, where do you want to go next, Ryan? Teller?
1: Yeah, I'd like to go to AJ Epenesa, one of those younger defensive ends, and I I had him in my stock up category, and it's it's funny because he made two plays in this game, but neither of them will show up in the stat sheet because both were nullified by penalties. Uh, he had a great pressure on a third down play, got in the court, uh, the face of quarterback Josh Johnson, forced an incomplete pass. Well, it gets nullified by an illegal contact by Christian Benford. Uh, Later in the game, not much later in the game, he has another great play where he bats a pass in the air on a third down play. Uh, But that gets nullified by a Kyrie Elam face mask. So he made two splash plays. And we talked about this last week when it was Boogie Basham who made a play. You don't need these younger guys to... Uh, fill the stat sheet week in week out you just need them to to make an impact one or two impact plays if possible per game and Epineza again both of his were nullified due to penalties in the secondary but he, he flashed at times when I was watching him specifically on the field uh, and I wanted to give him some kudos there and then even further down the depth chart again I thought Mike Love had a nice game today Matt did a little bit of everything he had a turnover or he had a forced fumble on special teams he had a, a big run stop on that final drive as the Broncos were moving and I think he also had a pass deflection as well or a pass defense so uh, some some of those guys further down the pecking order like Mike Love had a nice day and then AJ is someone that the Bills are going to count on this season I thought had a nice game as well
0: all right let's talk about AJ Epinesa a little bit more here's the thing on him and this goes back to last season it doesn't have to just be the sacks with him it's got to be affecting the quarterback. And you saw that today, uh, you know, getting around the quarterback, making some of those plays. If you go back to that Miami game last year that everybody's been coveting that kind of production from from A.J. I he didn't have a single sack in that game. But what he did was his work led to turnovers, number one, and also, you know, the ability to just make the quarterback think a little bit extra, take a little bit extra time and, and get them off their mark. I thought, you know, there were some missed tackles on that first drive. But after that, it's It's been really – it was a really tough day for this Denver offense. And so you, you credit guys up front without Von Miller playing there today. I thought Greg Rousseau had some nice plays. He had a couple uh, tackles in the game. And I thought Ep- Epinesa really stood out. And they're going to benefit from the from the fact that they've upgraded on the interior of their defensive line. They have reliability in the back seven. Uh, we can talk a little bit about um, – who was that? Uh, Kyrie Elam's play today, which I know some fans have mentioned in here, being a little bit underwhelmed with that, and um, maybe maybe we could transition to that. But I think, yeah, I totally agree with your point. Epinesa, Boogie Basham—they're flashing here early. That's got to continue once Von Miller gets back for the regular season. They're going to need him in L.A. I mean, this is an offense for the Rams that is coming into the 2022 season. Aside from the Matt Stafford arm questions. Continuity, right? They're, they're bringing back a lot of the same pieces, you know, the important pieces, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, some of the offensive linemen. So they, they're probably going to be, you know, going to week one ready to go. Um, so this defense is going to have to be charged up. Kair Elam, let's start with, let's start there. What did you think of his performance today?
1: Yeah, uh, uneven play, and I, I'm not shocked by that. I mentioned the face mask, and it was blatant. It was clear. I grabbed it right away. Turned the head of the receiver slightly. It was. It was an obvious call against him you're gonna I thought all three of those those defensive backs that are in play for a starting role opposite Trey white when he's back they all had uh, a play they'd like to have back or a few plays maybe Elam with the face mass Benford with the illegal contact uh Dane Jackson with the pass interference So the, to Jackson's credit I thought that was a very iffy penalty I, I didn't agree with it at home watching after we watched the game and see uh but yeah all three of them had at least one moment they'd like back Matt but Elam, it goes back to the physicality. Sometimes you can be a little bit too physical. And I think in today's NFL, uh, especially when you're a rookie, you're going to get flagged for that. You're not going to get those uh, calls that some of these veteran defensive backs that have been in this league that have made their mark on this league um, might get the benefit of the doubt. If you're a young rookie and you're you're handsy, you're, you're grabbing, you're, you're grabbing the face mask, whatever it may be, that's going to get called against you nine times out of ten. And a face mask is a lot different than just grabbing a jersey too, mind you. Uh, but that's something I'm going to watch this year as the season goes on because he has been very physical. And that, that can be a good thing. But if you're overly physical, it's going to lead to penalties. It's going to to lead to a new set of downs, yardage given up, and that's not going to sit well with Sean McDermott.
0: Right. And, you know, this is something with Elam that I think is going to be a week to week situation, right? Like you're sitting here right now in preseason game two, and there were some ineffective reps where, you know, whether it be um, getting a little bit handsy or not getting to a spot quick enough. And it was probably mitigated by the fact that you're going up against Denver, the Denver Broncos second team. I mean, if Jerry Judy's in there, Cortland Sutton, Russell, Russell Wilson, it's probably a bigger problem on your hands. Now, moving to the regular season, I, I don't know if I'm as concerned. And listen, I know Christian Benford has had some really, really good reps in training camp and in and the preseason. And, and there's like this simmering narrative within the fan base like is Benford like greater than Elam right now should he maybe get some of the uh you know maybe get the playing time that Elam's probably going to get when the season starts and I just don't think it really matters a whole lot while Elam gets to a level of comfort which I think he's going to evolve in game week to week and then from week to week you know as he gets more comfortable this defensive front I think is going to cause so many problems that it's going to, you know, negate some of the issues that the, the defensive backs are going to have whenever they do have it back. And you know, there's a big difference between having Jordan Poyer, Poyer Micah Hyde, and Tradavius White healthy out there to maybe take away or um, I don't want to say negate, but like it's not going to be as apparent some of the issues that uh, like a Kyer Elam or Christian Benford when he's out there have because of all the talent that's scattered across the rest of this defense. So I think it's just a situation where he needs NFL reps. Even last year at 20 years old in his junior season at Florida, where maybe there was a little bit of regression in that season. He's still a very, very young player with the kind of athleticism that you're hoping can eventually develop into Uh, a premier player in what you do scheme wise on your defense. And I just don't think that we're anywhere near a place where we're going to have a definitive take on it because I think he needs some time to grow. And I know it's an important season, but you have to allow for that for a young player. And I think, you know, as good as Christian Benford has looked at times and, you know, that doesn't say that you get into the regular season against, you know, Cooper cup for, 30, 40 snaps, and it goes completely in a different direction. So I just think it's easy to overreact here early in the preseason. And I think what he has going for him, the speed, the quickness, maybe it hasn't synced up yet. Maybe it's not completely effective yet, but I think a light switch could go off any day. And that's what you're kind of waiting for. If you're the bills coaching staff.
1: And that's where those reps come in. You know, like you said, he needs those reps in practice. He needs them in the preseason. He needs them in the regular season, too. Uh, And another great point mentioned by you is today it was not Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer back there. It was Jaquan Johnson, DeMar Hamlin. Uh, When you have those starting safeties back there, it helps mask any of some of the issues that you might have. Uh, We saw that last year once Trey White went down, the fact that Dane Jackson, Levi Wallace held up very well over the rest of the regular season. Uh, because of those safeties helping and playing a big role in that fact, throwing Von Mill in the defensive front. If quarterbacks have to get the ball out a half second sooner or a full second sooner because of pressure, uh, that's going to help a a guy like Kyrie Elam too. So I, I think that as the season goes on, you'll see him get more and more comfortable. He'll have the opportunity to make some plays for this team. No one needs him to be an all pro out of the gate when you have so much talent on this defense. You just need him to be able to be a... And I would just say an average NFL defensive back, when you have all that other talent around you, that's all you're going to need. And as the year goes on, I think you're going to certainly see that level of play. And he'll ascend to a different level later in the season as he gets even more acclimated to the NFL game and, and the game slows down from a little bit. As for Christian Benford, uh, you know, I, I like that there's a lot of hype and an, almost an aura uh, about him. Uh, but again, small sample size. I want to see more from him. That doesn't mean that he can't end up being a great defensive back for this team. You know, a guy like J.C. Jackson uh, was an undrafted free agent for the Patriots, and he has uh, quite a career with them. and He goes off and signs a huge deal uh, this offseason to play elsewhere. So, you know, may, maybe Benford is that next type of J.C. Jackson type of player, but let's not get too high or too low about these young defensive backs just yet.
0: I think part of what's going on with the Kyrie Elam impatience is what you're seeing, not only from Bedford, but maybe more so on the offensive side, Khalil Shakir, who is like the big offensive rookie right now. I mean, I know James Cook is probably the bigger uh, name and the guy that's been talked about more, but he's the guy, Shakir, who's been getting the, the opportunities and really shining. And in all three, um, teams. I mean, he's been playing with the first team last week, played with the second and the third team this week, and everywhere he's been, it's been production. Three catches today, 59 yards. He continues to look like a guy that they're going to have to start thinking about how they can get this guy on the field, right? Because, you know, you got Jameson Crowder, who had a nice play today, uh, caught a ball from uh, Case Keenum, uh, a little bit better throw than last week. We could talk about Keenum here in a minute, uh, him bouncing back, and a lot like we talked about last week. I thought it was a little bit of overreaction. I did say that he played terrible when he did, but a lot you had to, you know, you got to take in the context of it. And then he was playing with backups. This week, he got a chance to run with the ones a little bit. And you saw the difference. He was much more composed. He was much more um, on target. I a mean, nice play to Jameson Crowder, like I mentioned. And then it's like, all right, you got him. You got Isaiah McKenzie. You obviously got Davis and Diggs on the outside. And they didn't have Dawson Knox today. Um, you know, Thoughts go out to him and his family for what they're going through. Sean McDermott mentioned it at the post-game press conference. Uh, obviously, the sudden death of his uh, 22-year-old brother, Luke Knox. Just tragic, tragic news. I mean, you hate to see that anytime time for anybody – you know, it's just heartbreaking like, to, to, the, to deal with the loss of a family member like that. It's It's got to be so tough. So, you know, thoughts obviously going out to him. I didn't know if you want to say anything there.
1: No, I, I agree completely. Thoughts go out to Dawson Knox and his family. T- terrible situation, as you mentioned. Um, you, you know, the the Bills Mafia, kudos to them for responding the way that they do in, in these um, moments when when tragedy hits and tragedies occur they've raised a lot of money for the the punt uh pediatric cancer foundation some uh foundation that knox has been very close to so um you, you know I'm, I'm sure that knox appreciates that obviously a lot on his mind here with, with the loss of his brother and as you said thoughts go out to him and his family um you know we're, we're thinking of of him at this at this time you ready Showtime.
0: I want to talk more about Shakir. The thing with Shakir is now, as you get to the season, how do you get him on the field? Because that that's the point of this conversation is there's so many miles to feed in this offense. There, you, you saw it today. Their run game looks as healthy as ever. It looks like Aaron Cromer has completely you know, change the dynamic of what they're able to do on the ground. He seems to be unlocking guys in the offensive line. Uh, I didn't even mention it, but the the Josh Allen touchdown pass to Gabe Davis, go look at the highlight of that and the time that he had in the pocket. David Questenberry starting at right tackle for Spencer Brown, who's still working his way back, played a little bit today on the second team. But pass protection was supposed to be the issue. It looked great on that play as Josh Allen had all day to throw. How do you get – or uh, Khalil Shakir on the field with all of these
1: playmakers on offense. Yeah, that That's the question because you love what Isaiah McKenzie brings. And, and again, Shakir is not just strictly a slot receiver, but that's where he was projected coming out. And in, in a lot of the draft analysts said, you know, his best position would be the slot. So with the way that McKenzie's playing, it's going to be hard for him to get a lot of playing time there. Uh, Jameson Crowder made some plays today, made some catches today. I think his veteran presence will help him land a role in this roster as that second slot receiver. So with a lot of the reps, there going to those two players, you look to the outside. Can he be that person that comes in and spells Gabe Davis or Stefan Diggs? Uh, when they need a breather on the sideline i think that might be his path to playing time here early on Uh, and then as he takes on it shows that he can take on that role because he's been great in the training camp great in the preseason you want to see in the regular season too and there's no reason to think he won't carry that over the regular season based on what we've seen but if he shows that he can carry that over to the regular season then his role has to uh, become bigger so What personnel do you change? Uh, Do you go with more wide receiver heavy looks? It's a possibility because with a guy with that much talent, you don't want him sitting on the sideline and just spelling those two receivers when they need a breather here and there, you want to get your best players on the field as much as possible. So maybe he takes on that Gabe Davis role that we've seen the the past few seasons where you have a John Brown already in this offense. You have an Emmanuel Sanders already in this offense and, and you're kind of playing second fiddle to those guys. But when you get your opportunities, you're making the most of them. I could see that being uh, Khalil Shakir's role early on, but if he performs the way he has all summer long, that role needs to be expanded upon sooner rather than later. So I
0: want to get into, uh, don't reveal it yet because I want to give some of my thoughts, but I'm interested to see if you included this person, this player in your um, post game stock up, stock down story. But I want to talk and dig a little bit into, is it stock up for OJ Howard uh, who had three catches for 16 yards and obviously the touchdown there in the second half because he didn't start today with Dawson Knox out of the mix. It was Quentin Morris who got the first look. And then it was actually Tommy Sweeney. OJ Howard was the third tight end into the lineup in today's game. And, you know, before the catches, You know, the first two, you know, they were all like kind of short catches. And, you know, I think that the touchdown play was his best play as a bill. But there's some concern there, I think, with with his place in this offense and the fact that, you know, the Bills were so comfortable, you know, trotting him out so much, uh, you know, I think two or three series into the game. He got his first snap. Where does O.J. Howard stand for you? Because he comes in today. He makes plays when the ball was thrown his way. And that's all you can kind of do. It was three targets and three catches. Let me double check that. Yep have three, three targets, three catches, 16 yards, and the touchdown. But he made a big play. And, and I think we alluded to this earlier when we were talking about O.J. Howard's struggle throughout training camp. Is like he's still a big body tight end. And I think when you get down into the red zone, you can use him um, against different defensive looks because it's so hard to defend that size. He still has some ability to you know get off the line, get open. He showed that at that play, albeit against third stringers. Morris is heavily used Quentin Morris heavily used on special teams. Is there a scenario Ryan, where we can get to cut down day and OJ Howard's out and Quentin Morris is it?
1: It would still surprise me if that happened, Matt, but I, I think that there's a crack o- open in the door, so to speak. Uh, I did not have OJ Howard in my stock up, stock down uh, article. I, you know, I thought the touchdown, as you said, he uses body well, uses frame while well to haul in that pass and, by all means kudos to him for that. But I watched a lot of Quentin Morris today and I know he had one penalty, but I really loved the way that he was blocking specifically for this team. I thought that he was, uh, he, he looked the part of someone that belonged out there when he was on the field and, that's saying something when you're out there with the first team offense, when you're out there with the second team offense, Um, he he didn't look out of place for a, you know, a 2021 undrafted free agent to where he is now. I, I like his game quite a bit. And that also speaks a little bit to Tommy Sweeney, some that we've talked about showing up in training camp, things like that. But maybe when it doesn't carry over to the games, Quentin Morris all of a sudden is having these opportunities presented to him. And, and I like what he's done so far. So is there an opportunity for him to maybe sneak on this roster? OJ Howard, maybe be the odd man out. Yes. I still think that um, it, it's, it would be a, a bit of a pill to swallow to OJ Howard. If you just signed him this offseason. Um, maybe that you still think that there's a role for him here, but He didn't make the the stock up, stock down because, as you mentioned, he wasn't the first tight end on the field. It took some time for him to get out there. He did make the most of his opportunities, so you give him a tip of the cap for that. But the the tight end depth behind Dawson Knox is still a bit of a mystery with the regular season here approaching very quickly. Three
0: days, Tuesday, uh, August 23rd is the next deadline by 4 p.m. for clubs to reduce their roster. It's got to go down to 80. I believe the last check the Bills are at 84. So they have to yes. they have to cut four players. The Bills offense did no favors to Matthew Smiley today um, as the Bills try to evaluate this punter competition. And Sean McDermott said he was asked afterwards, why didn't you run out Matt Ariza on that punt from the 50? That's probably one of the punts you want to see him execute in a game situation. And he they they went in today with Matt Hawk getting the first opportunity to punt, and that was the first chance they had. So they they didn't Change on the fly, if you will, the the plan. But we're sitting here now on August 20th, and I think I thought Stephen Hauschka was cut earlier in the um, preseason a couple years ago. They didn't actually cut him until August 27th. So we're still kind of on the timeline for you know what they want to see: veteran punter versus or kicker punter in the situation versus the rookie in Ariza. Um, obviously, Tyler Bass beat out Hauschka a couple years ago but I don't know how much more they need to see and they'll probably get a chance to run both of them out there uh, unless they're, they've seen enough in practice and they're willing to, to cut a uh, Hawk this week before the Carolina game.
1: Yeah, I actually think he's a great candidate in terms of one of the four players that you should be looking to cut. I, I, if the bills really want to, could they find some bottom of the end depth on the, both of the lines or somewhere else? Yeah, you could, you could find four players elsewhere. Uh, but I think Matt Ariza has this competition won. It was nice that they said Hawk was going to be the, get the first opportunity today. And they stuck to their word on that. Uh, but I also think it's a little bit frustrating because as you mentioned, Matt, that's the kind of punt that you need to see from Matt Ariza. Can he, you know, kick it inside the 10 or can he make sure that there's no return uh, and, and give the coverage team, a chance to go down and make a play. We know that he has the booing leg. He showed that in the first preseason game with the 82 yard punt. Uh, and we've seen it in the highlights, but what about those situational punts? That's what we need to see. And it would have been good to see him come out there and to see Sean McDermott change on the fly, uh, because that is an ideal punt that they want from him. You know, Hawk, I think that you, you show your respect to him. You, you get him off the roster sooner rather than later. So he has an opportunity to latch on somewhere else, maybe another team where uh, there's some punting issues. If, not to say they wouldn't get signed elsewhere in the final cuts or a few days before the regular season, because there's not a ton of things that you need to know necessarily to be a punter on a team in terms of the playbook or anything like that. But I think this is the opportunity to uh, send Matt Hawk off into the sunset, go with the rise and the final preseason game, get him a lot of uh, reps, obviously holding the ball, which we saw today and maybe a few punts mixed in there as well. Uh, I I just think that this is now the time. I had no issue with him not being in those initial cuts, but I think in the second wave, it would make a lot of sense for him to be one of those four players. Indeed. Anywhere else you want to go before we get out of here? Yeah. One more player. I want to talk about Brandon Bryant. Uh, I mentioned him last week too. I thought that he had a really, another really nice game today. Once again, just like a lot of those, the Mike Loves, like the Raheem Blackshear, I don't see a path to the 53-man roster for him. It's just a numbers game. Uh, but he is someone that I think it belongs on a 53-man roster somewhere in this league. The play that really stands out in my mind is him running down the screen play, uh, screen pass the Denver ran. He was in the vicinity, and he ran from behind the play to tackle the ball, the, the pass catcher, keep them short of the line of gain. He had a good pressure later on as well to force an incomplete pass. So making those splash plays, making the most of the opportunities. He wasn't the first man in. Eli Anku made that sack at the end of the game, uh, but Bryant was the second man there too. So all over the field, I thought he had a really nice game today and someone that deserves some props.
0: I think Brandon Bryant has been so consistent this summer into the preseason that he may force the Bills' hands. I know there's a lot of other positional uh, things that they have to consider, like do you keep seven receivers? What's going on at running back? Do you keep three tight ends? How many offensive linemen do you need? There's so many moving parts. Cam Lewis' conversation is always a good one. Like, Do you have enough spots for him and Christian Benford? But I think that there's a, a, a sneaky chance the Bills keep 10 defensive linemen and that 10th guy being Brandon Bryant. I don't know if they're willing to risk him. If teams are watching and are you know, needy on the interior of the defensive line, I think Brandon Bryant's going to get a lot of calls if he gets cut. And the Bills might not want to chance that. And you're always one big injury on the defensive line away from needing him. I mean, Jordan Phillips goes down. Like, sure, you got you're, you hope you got Tim Settle who's dealing with a calf injury. You know you have Daquan Jones. But – and Ed Oliver, but that rotation is, it's really important, especially in the interior. So Brandon Bryant could be somebody that I think the bills have value. You know, they, they also like Ilianku and maybe that's a guy that if he shows enough over the next two weeks, he played today. I have to go back and look at, I didn't really super notice him, but something to consider. Like, I i really like that point about Brandon Bryant, you know, maybe, you know, playing his way into a roster spot.
1: Yeah, and this final preseason game is going to be that last opportunity for a lot of these guys uh, to make their case for that, you know, the final 51, 52, 53, because the Bills don't have a lot of open spots right now, Matt. There there might just be a handful of players that they're still considering when they get to that final preseason game in terms of, okay, are we going to go with a heavy defensive line versus this, heavy offensive line versus this, defensive backs, whatever the case may be, or wide receiver six, do we carry six of them, do we carry seven? So there's very few spots up for grabs, but Brandon Bryan is one of those players where if he has another great game in this preseason finale, maybe then the Bills reevaluate and say, listen, he's played his way onto this roster. We like what he brings. Uh, and then in season, could there, could there be a move? Yeah, there's always a few guys that make this roster, and then within a few weeks, they, they make another shift or another move there. Uh, but someone I wanted to point out for a strong play today.
0: Let me ask you this, Ryan. Kair Elam, James Cook, Terrell Bernard, Khalil Shakir, Christian Benford, Matt Ariza. Who is the Buffalo Bills rookie after two preseason games that you project to have the biggest impact on the 2022 Buffalo Bills?
1: Boy, that's a great question, Um, because you could also look at it from a special team standpoint. I think Cook could play there a little bit, too, uh, as one of their return men but I, I'm going to go with uh, Khalil Shakir. I think that he's going to force his way onto the field. He has looked the part since the day he has been drafted by this team. Uh, this is not something where he's all of a sudden come out and played well in the preseason. He he was great at training camp. Uh, you could have made the case for him being one of the, the top players at training camp this summer. He's carried it over to the preseason. There were a lot of draft analysts that thought that uh, he went way too late in this draft class and you know, the, the bills were going to benefit from that. And so far, they look like they're correct in that assessment. So, uh, Shakir, I think, is that player of this rookie class that's going to make the biggest impact, despite there already the Bills already having a very loaded offense.
0: I lo- I love the Shakir pick, and and I and I can make an argument for it. And honestly, honestly, if you would have taken anybody else, I might have picked Shakir. But I, just in the interest of keeping things moving here and and not not copying your your answer, I'm going to go with Kyir Elam, and here's why. I think there's, there's the potential for Elam to have a slightly above average season and still make the necessary amount of splash plays that gets you excited about him as a player. And I'm talking about four or five interceptions, the cornerback spot. Listen, people are going to test him. You know, quarterbacks, they're playing a bunch of good quarterbacks early on. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford. They're going to test Kyer Elam. It doesn't matter if Dane Jackson's out there, uh, Trey, Trey White. If Elam's on the field, I think teams are going to want to see if he can be the real deal. And I think he's going to make some quarterbacks regret it. And I think that that's just from the ability to, you know, just pure talent as an athlete to react and make plays. I really like James Cook today, though. He looked fluid. He he ran the ball. He answered a question for me. And again, it was a second team defensive unit for the Broncos. So I don't want to overreact too much to it. I'll, I'll wait to really throw down this take in a couple of weeks. But contact balance for me has been something with James Cook that I'm wondering at the second level, because he's probably going to get there because of his elusiveness. Can he bounce off tacklers and those starting linebackers in this league and he did it today and you want to see him continue to do a nice 19 yard run. I want to see more running from James Cook, but I'm going to go with Kyer Elam just because I think he has that splash ability.
1: And Elam's going to get a lot of reps and a lot of playing time, and he's going to have the opportunity to take that role. I think that's a great choice. Uh, to your point about Cook, yeah, that that run to the outside, he, he shook off a, a defender, and, and that was one thing you wanted to see. He looked like he was shot out of a cannon uh, on a few of those runs where he got through that first uh, level of play, and all of a sudden he was Uh, getting right up there on the linebackers in the secondary. So answered a lot of questions after kind of a quiet preseason debut, but we we know what he can do as a pass catcher. It was good to see him uh, look so strong as a runner as well, especially based on how well Singletary and Moss played today too.
0: All right. I think that is going to do it. We are going to be back on Wednesday night. The staple show uh, will be back in your life. Uh, And then we'll obviously be live on Friday. I will be in Carolina. We will bring you all the last and final takeaways, observations of the preseason as the bills look to get down to 53 in the days after that. Uh, We're almost there, folks. Uh, We've been plodding along throughout training camp and the roster will be official in about 10 days, um, from your child's first birthday party to your holiday feast, Sunday football to backyard barbecues and every meal in between, don't forget the Tops is proud to have been at your table for the past 60 years and looks forward to 60 more Tops at your table since 1962. We are creeping up to 300 episodes of the uh, Shout Buffalo Football Podcast, Ryan But How about that?
1: Unbelievable, Matt. Bill's Mafia, thanks for the support. Great seeing these numbers too. Uh, After these preseason games, throughout training camp, we appreciate your support as we approach the episode, the 300th episode of Shout. We gotta do something special for that.
0: Hit me up in the DMs, uh, the comments on YouTube. I always try to check those. Um, Email me, mperino at nyup.com. However, you can get a hold of me. Let me know because we might need to bring on a special guest. I don't know uh, for the 300th episode. I'm taking all ideas. And uh, suggestions for Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. We will be right back on Wednesday. Enjoy your week, everybody. Take care.
1: Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt
0: Perino and Ryan Talbot.